This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Gary Hill alongside Aaron Goldsmith as we visit now with Assistant General Manager Andy McKay. Andy, it is great to chat once again. How's your offseason going? Uh, my offseason has been uh, great, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on and giving me the opportunity to chat, but it's been great. It's been very productive. Um, obviously, we ended the year on a, a high note of getting into the playoffs and so forth, and uh, we immediately just went right back to work and trying to make our team better and see if we can take this thing to the next step. Andy, you have uh, your fingerprints all over this organization and this ball club, and we were all really excited for the news of your promotion right around Thanksgiving. Uh, you have long overseen the Mariners minor league farm system. And as we all know, a farm system that for a number of years has been ranked at the very top. And now you are the assistant general manager of the Seattle Mariners. First of all, um, what does that mean to you to continue to climb within this organization and to have that brand new role? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. It, most of the time, I can tell you not all of the time in my career, these things have kind of come out of nowhere. Um, you know, they weren't uh, necessarily goals of mine. They were opportunities that presented themselves, even the original, you know, coming to the Mariners as the farm director. And I can tell you, you know, until that conversation with Jerry, I'd never once thought about being an assistant general manager, but you know, it's an opportunity to, to continue to have impact. And I think regardless of whatever the job I've had or the title I've had, you know, as long as it gives me the opportunity to, uh, to have an impact, to combine some, some aspect of, of leading people and, and teaching people, I'm going to be thrilled. And, um, you know, so it, this is just another opportunity for me to, you know, maybe work with a different group than I have and to, um, you know, try to work with people towards a common goal. And, and that's what we're trying to do. You started this conversation by mentioning the postseason, and it's not only the story of last year getting to the postseason, but how that occurred. And you look at Cal Raleigh and Julio and Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, go down the list of all the impact from within the organization that made that happen. What is the organization doing so well right now in terms of development? We have really good people in place and we have, you know, we've worked incredibly hard to attract uh, the right people in terms of our, our coaches really from top to bottom. And as you know, most of our major league staff are now coaches who had come through our development system. And, and so the focus on coaching our coaches finding, you know, if you just think about I think the process that most people would basically understand in terms of like acquiring a player and coaching that player, we're doing the same thing with our staff members. You know, you're, you're trying to, to access the best that we can, and then you're trying to coach them and fully develop them. And, you know, we, we've done a good job of that. It's been a, a huge collaboration uh, to do that. But we feel like every employee, every coach, we're trying to equip them every skill, every behavior that they're going to need to really try to get, try to get to their dream job. And, and that's been, it's, it's been a successful process for us. And I think number two, we have a really clear process laid out for how we want to coach our players. 
that clarity is so powerful. And it all starts with dominating the strike zone. And so we take these large concepts and ideas and then really drill down to the individual and how to, how can that player best do it um, based on their skill set, based on their belief system, based on what we can kind of project would be something that they could actually accomplish. And it all starts with dominating the strike zone. And then you just kind of work backwards all the way down to each individual and every player in our system has an individualized development plan that is all geared towards um, dominating the strike zone. And, and then that plan is also mirrored with our coaches. Our coaches have development plans on how they can be better and uh, things for them to work on, uh, helping them identify what they do really well um, and what they really can't stop doing well. You know, that, that's a common thing where people are really good at something and for whatever reason, they stop doing that thing. And so we help, we try to help them identify the best version of them and help them get to it. Andy McKay is our guest on the hot stove. He's the Mariners assistant general manager. Andy, it might be easy for some to kind of lose the grand timeline of everything, but you were really one of the first members of this regime uh, brought in by Jerry DePoto. And we've talked about your background getting to where you are now, but as you just went through the processes that the Mariners go through and how that has been really drilled down and become very concise and, and uh, just very much a part of the Mariners identity about their process and how they go about things. Can you kind of walk us through the evolution of that? Because it does feel like as we've watched this year after year, it really feels like it started to snowball in a very good way, uh, Andy, where you had a bunch of new guys, right, who all have new jobs and they're all collaborating and working together for the first time when, when this ship sets sail under Jerry and Scott. And now it feels like the thing, the wheels are really in motion. And now every year it's how can we get better and better with this foundation that have been, has been put uh, underneath everyone. There are some, you know, some pretty major turning points in our process and, And a lot of those points started many, many years ago before we were all together. And if that makes sense, things that, things that, you know, dominating the strike zone was something that Jerry had really began championing in Arizona, even before he was with the angels. And, you know, it was an idea that he had, it was a vision that he had, and he brought it here. And each of us brought different things and it took a little bit of time to, kind of put it all together like in a manageable, simple process that could be repeated over and over again. But as you put it, you're exactly right. It did take a little bit of time and then it just kind of took off and it took off when we were able to, to get it all on paper, get it out of our heads and, and just really formulate a plan that was simple and easy to digest and easy to understand And then as our departments came together, you know, and there's a lot of departments between scouting and player development and high performance, baseball operations, our analysts, that collaboration. I was actually texting with Carson Vitale last night uh, on an issue. And, uh, you know, I said the, the, the way the Mariners are collaborating right now, it's the single greatest accomplishment I've ever been part of. And, and I mean that, you know, when we discuss a player, whether it's a, a Harry Ford or a Cole Young or whether it's a Julio Rodriguez, we're discussing a player through the lens of 10, 15 people at times. You know, if there's something just like hypothetically 
with his swing, perhaps. And you could use this for any position player, any pitcher. You know, before we talked about the swing itself, we would talk about the data. And what's the baseball telling us? Is he still hitting the ball hard? Is he not hitting as hard? Is he hitting it more in the air on the ground? And really get evidence to kind of start with. And so, like, if I were to stick from a an offensive standpoint, our model is start with the ball. What's the ball telling us? Then you go to the bat. And what's the bat path telling us? Then you go to the body. And at that point in time, now you're talking about trainers and therapists and strength coaches that can illuminate, hey, you know, you're actually trying to do something. His body's not going to do it. He doesn't have the rotation in his, in his core that you think he has. And so we need to come up with a different plan. We need a workaround. Mental skills gets involved in the performance side group. And, and it's really impressive if you could ever sit in one of those meetings and listen to everybody putting their their thoughts together and it ends up on a single piece of paper that's presented to the player. And that player plan process is so holistic, it covers everybody, but it gets whittled down to very simple concepts that we all understand and that make sense and we all believe we can actually pull off. And I think that's kind of the, the heart of the engine of what you're seeing right now. And and it wasn't always like that. You know, when we came in, I guess, eight years ago, it was kind of the big, we were just starting to get in this huge analytical push of what TrackMan and the, the, the data coming from the baseball could do. We started getting into really understanding how much a pitch was moving and you could quantify it. And so those things kind of all came together in a perfect storm. And one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is that you know, we've really removed the idea of support staff, that everybody's contributing. There are no tiers. There's nobody that is more important than any other. And whether it's an analyst or a mental skills coach or Jared DeHart as our major league hitting coach, they're all working together um, and their voices are all heard. And, um, and we're doing it in Boca Chica and we're doing it in Seattle and everywhere in between. Visiting with Andy McKay here on the hot stove. Mariners promo schedule just dropped. It's jam-packed with can't-miss giveaways, a Julio bobble, J.P. Funko pop, the clinch, Cal bobble, Steelheads jersey, seven fireworks nights, so much more. Check it out. You can just go to mariners.com slash promotions. Visiting with Andy McKay here on hot stove. We'll come back with more Andy right after this. Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Back on the hot stove, Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith, as we continue our conversation with Mariners Assistant General Manager Andy McKay. Andy, thinking about all the work you've put in to get here and all the people around you putting in the work and effort and time, what did last year mean to you getting into the postseason? I felt some validation. You know, I, that scene, not, not when Cal hit the home run, but that, you know, the, the last day of our season when the ballpark was packed, I knew that was going to happen. I knew we were going to put, you know, we were going to fill that stadium to capacity. People were going to be waving calls. It was going to be loud. You know, I, I had seen that moment in my head so many times for, you know, six and seven years. Um, all of it. Um, and 
even down to Mike McCready playing the national anthem. You know, <laughs> actually, in my in my vision, I had Pete Carroll throwing out the first pitch, but I, I've seen it so many times, and it was a little surreal because uh, it was actually played out very similar to how I had had seen it in my mind so many times. But mostly, I was happy for our players. I know how hard Scott has worked, you know, Jerry and Justin, and to get to see them. And I, 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 I tried my best to, to observe it more than participate in it. I, I was just very, very happy for them um, because I know what they've been through. I know how hard it's been. And uh, that moment was, was, was really, it was important to them and they deserved it. And to get to see our players celebrate that way. And I'm glad I did it that way. I'm glad I kind of took one step back because um if I'd gotten lost in it, I wouldn't have seen the expressions on people's faces that I saw the way I saw them. And, uh, you know, and, and then you snap a finger and it's over and you're right back to work. Hmm. So, but it, it was great. And it, it, it's always about our fans. It's always been about our fans and so many cool moments through that process of, um, I think just like you and me, we all fell in love with the game for some reason. And, we helped a lot of people fall in love with the game last year. I really believe that. How true that is. A couple of final moments here with Mariners assistant general manager, Andy McKay. All right, Andy, let's put on our red cardigan, our khaki pants, and let's uh, take a visit to Andy McKay's library. Let's have a little story time. I know, uh, <laughs> Andy, I know you are uh, our, our resident librarian. So tell yes. me, tell me the off-season reading list, Andy. What what book wow. recommendations do we have during maybe an off day or two, maybe a long flight across sure. the country? What should we What should we delve no. into? You know, it's been a it's been a great off-season for reading. I'll give you one. It's in my hand right now. It's called The Art of Impossible by Steve Collar. And it's an amazing book. Steve Collar is a researcher on peak performance and high performance. Um, and he lays out a blueprint and a formula for high achievers as well as any, anything I've ever read. Couldn't recommend it enough. Before this, I finished, uh, and I forget the name of it, but uh, Rick Rubin, the record producer, uh, wrote an incredible, incredible book about being creative and how to get the ideas out of your head into the real world. And, uh, Rick Rubin's a, a record producer who's produced the Beastie Boys, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Run DMC, Metallica, Johnny Cash, um, the Dixie Chicks, and kind of everywhere in between. Again, he laid out a really clear concept as to how to help other people get the best of them, like get those thoughts out of their head. And, and get them into the real world so that other people can benefit from them. I thought it was fantastic. And both of these books are actually one two that I couldn't put down. And all of these things are, they, they end up becoming things I share with our coaches and, and so forth. And then uh, another one, I'll forget the name of it, but uh, uh, the athletic writer who covers the Golden State Warriors wrote a really, really good book on kind of the, the rise of the Warriors and uh, uh, I, I thought it told the story of their front office as, as well as as well as you could, you know, from from the ownership group who bought the team and and bringing in the GM to how they were able to acquire Steve Kerr and then putting the roster together. And so those were three of my three of my big ones. 
the Ricky Henderson biography was phenomenal. Dave Parker biography was was exceptional. So a lot of reading, um, and uh, it's one of my joys. If we if we actually if we have a second here, I, I think the bigger story, Aaron, is the fact that you're still here doing this interview with me, and I want to take a second. I'm going to turn the table on you, and and remind you and let you know how important you are to the Mariners and how much we appreciate you. And, you know, all of us who love this game, we all had an Aaron Goldsmith who brought the game to life for us when we weren't there. You know, the people that we, we let into our homes at night on our televisions or we let into our cars and the radio. You know, mine was Ernie Harwell growing up in Detroit. Um, you know, George Kell and LK line on uh, Channel 4. And uh, what you do in terms of telling the story and bringing it to life for, for our fans is, is so important. And and I was excited for you when I heard you had an opportunity to maybe go back to St. Louis, which I know is home. But I'm thrilled you're here, man. And uh, and I know our fans are too. And you know you're the you're always you're always the one throwing praise on everybody. And I think we got to reverse it a little bit and and let you know how good you are at your job. I know how hard you work at it. I see the preparation that goes into it and you are really good at it and it makes a difference for us and it makes a big difference for our fans. So um, I did want to say that today and I, and I really do appreciate you, man. Well, Andy, I don't, I don't know how, how to respond to that exactly. You're, you're uh, bringing in a tear to my eye, man. I, I, that means the world coming from you. And um, yeah, that, that story has been told. I don't need to explain it anymore, but I, I can tell you this, that there are relationships in this organization uh, and certainly you are a part of that, no doubt, that make this place very special, as you have documented. And it's not just special for the coaching staff or the players, uh, but for us in the broadcast booth as well. And uh, you all are just the best to interact with. And uh, it's special. You know that. Gary knows that. I know that. It's a very special place and um, ultimately a place that we all want to be. So I'm glad we're all in it together, Andy. Yes, as am I. And onward to bigger and better things. And, uh, you know, last year was not the last chapter of the book. I can promise you that. There's a lot of books that we're still going to keep writing. And and uh, onward to bigger things. And there'll be more road, bu- road uh, blocks and there'll be bumps in the road. But uh, uh, the train is moving forward and, and I'm thrilled to be part of it. Well said. Thank you, Andy. I know you're traveling and we appreciate you taking so much time with us tonight. And we'll see you soon. We'll see you in Arizona. All right. Thanks, fellas. Bye-bye. Assistant General Manager Andy McKay. We come back. We're going to check in on the Angels. We'll talk with Sam Blum, writer for The Athletic for the Angels. We'll dive into that. And we return right after this on The Hot Stove. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Well, welcome back inside the hot stove. Great to have you with us tonight. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith, and now we're joined by Sam Blum, writer for The Athletic, covering the Angels. Last week, we took a look at the Astros. The week before was the Rangers, and now it's the Angels' turn. Sam, it's great to have you with us tonight. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Glad to be here, Gary and Aaron. Appreciate it. I think there's an obvious place. Maybe there's a couple obvious places to start with the Angels, but first... Uh, I can speak for me. I was pretty stunned when Artie Moreno decided that he is not selling the Angels. You're more on the inside than we are. Were you as surprised as everyone else about that news? 
Yeah, I'm, I was really shocked. Uh, I mean, you know, the thing about Artie is he, it, we're coming up on three years since he last gave any public remarks, really. Uh, so really, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly was surprised. Don't really get, don't have too much of an insight on, 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 you know, why exactly he did this because nobody really does. But I, you know, I know for a fact that this team was going to sell probably for a record amount more than the Mets probably. Uh, the 2.4 billion that Steve Cohen bought the Mets for. I mean, and, and you understand why the angels are in Southern California. Obviously they're, they're a butt of a lot of jokes, but there's a lot of potential with a team that's playing in, in orange County and, you know, uh, has the superstar talent that it, that it has. I mean, really, if, it, if another owner were to come in and invest around those two guys, there's a lot that could be done to turn this, uh, franchise into a, into a winner really quickly. So I know why angels fans are upset. Um, you know, Artie Moreno is, has not put the resources into building a winning franchise. You know, I think, you know, his counterpoint would be, well, we spend on free agents and they certainly have and, and made bad investments. A lot of the times, um, you know, they don't build around their organization a lot in terms of, you know, player development, you know, treating alumni, uh, well, just the things that are either, you know, their broadcast teams. Well, I mean, things that just kind of, if you do all of them, right, you start to see the benefits of them over the course of a long period of time and they just haven't done it. And so as a result, um, they haven't won. And, and I think that's why, you know, angels fans are probably pretty upset over the news last week, but it, it probably pretty shocked too. I mean, he certainly seemed like he was, he was ready to, to, uh, to sell the team based on his statement from August, what it needs to, or what it should be doing to get there. How do you think Artie's announcement ties into the Otani situation? I think it's to, to be determined, but on the face of it, I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, obviously, one of the uh, it's known that one of the uh, people that was trying to purchase the team, I believe, was um, someone in Japan. It's I couldn't tell you exactly what, what role they have or how they have their money or what you know company they own or business or whatever it might be, but. It's it, and it's not even about who the owner would be. It's about the. I, I think it comes more down to the money. And and if an owner is going to come in and spend three billion dollars on a team, it figures that they're going to be willing to invest in that team and possibly be willing to uh you know pay Joey Otani upwards of you know whatever he might make could be five hundred million dollars over you know eight ten years whatever it might be. And so um, with Otani, it's it. I think it remains to be seen. But if Artie's going to spend like he has. And and kind of stay below that that luxury tax thresholds uh, moving forward. It's really hard to envision them keeping Otani uh, and still building a competent roster around him, especially considering he's going to be getting upward of you know north of thirty. You know, Mike Trout in a couple of years is I mean, this is his age thirty one season. Mike Trout, you know, there's uh, Rendon is you know hasn't played the last three years really that much. And, and he's going to be, you know, mid thirties, a lot of injury history. So they're going to be paying a lot of money to players that are getting older and not necessarily doing enough to build a young, sustainable pipeline of players coming up through their system. So the, the, the question is, can already retain Otani, pay him what he will get and what he will earn on the open market and then still be able to build a competent roster around him. And then the other half of that is how does Otani feel about everything? And, um, you know, he's been very, very coy and I want to say invasive because he's typically pretty honest, but uh, you know, he, he doesn't always like to give the full answer maybe of how he feels, but I think if you read between the lines, I mean, he wants to win and, and I think he might be a little frustrated that the seasons he's put up has uh, not resulted in even a 500 record uh, or even close to it. I mean, they were a terrible team last year and he put, put what I would argue is maybe one of the best seasons ever played along with Mike Trout hitting 40 home runs, uh, probably about a quarter of them against the Mariners. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, yeah, that's that it's, it's just, you, you want to be able to 
see the path forward with Otani and the Angels and, and Artie Moreno, but I think a lot of the reasons why people are upset last week is they they, they look at Otani and they're saying, what's the path forward here? And the only real answer is Artie increasing his payroll exponentially. And uh, maybe he'll do it. Maybe he, maybe he wants to to put together a real legacy uh, and not have it be this, uh, you know, one of the worst donors in sports, um, you know, which, you know, I'm not saying that's what he is, but it's, he's certainly not one of the best. Um, so it's, yeah, I think that's why people feel the way they do. Sam Blum is our guest. He covers the angels for the athletic. He just does sensational work for them. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting when you look at what it would take to retain Otani, a free agent after this year, Sam, it almost feels like the angels would have needed to do something along the lines of what the Rangers started last year. Right where you go out, you get two major free agent pieces, and then you add a Degrom this year to go along with what you already started building last year. I mean, this is just speculation on your point on your part, of course. But do you at this point? I mean, it's seven straight seasons under five hundred for the Angels. It's the longest such streak in baseball. And let's let's not pot kettle black situation here. The Mariners have had their struggles. They've now started to turn things around and are clearly pointed in the in a much better direction. But do you feel like at this point? Even if they had gone in this offseason and spent wild like Cohen and the Mets, would there really have been a realistic chance to keep Otani from what you were thinking? Because this is this is the biggest free agent contract we will ever see when it comes. You know, I think with Otani, I mean, yeah, you know, he could be just dead set on hitting free agency and seeing what what will come of it, because there are going to because when you have a lot of team, I mean, it's just Nate, the nature of, you know, supply and demand. If there's a lot of uh a lot of bidders, the price will go up. Uh, so he might just want to, you know, enter free agency. That being said, I mean, I do think there is, I mean, I do think he likes, I don't think he's like miserable with the angels. I really don't. I mean, he's, they've given him a freedom to operate in the way that he wants. You know, they took a lot of the restrictions off him that maybe he had his first few years. They kind of let him do his thing. You know, he can kind of work out as he pleases, where he pleases, when he wants. Um, you know, they give him a lot of latitude with, uh, you know, kind of the involvement of his, you know, representation in the organization, things like that. So there's, um, I think there's a lot of reasons why he's comfortable with this team. And obviously he picked them to begin with. I mean, he, you know, he, he likes, I think Southern California, it's, it's a quicker plane ride back home for him. Uh, so there's, there's some reasons why I think he'd want to stay, you know, close teammates. I mean, this is something he's been there for five years now. So it's, it's not like he's, uh, you know, there's no chance of the angels resigning him. I just think it would have been a much better, effort had there been another owner in place who who you knew would be willing to maybe put this payroll up to the 300 close to the 300 million it might take to kind of have the two guys they're already paying a ridiculous amount of money on top of what otani will make which i'm sure will be a record aav whenever it kind of gets to that point but you're right i mean i think the rangers are a great blueprint i mean you know ray davis has his own issues as an owner i think but at the end of the day he's uh you know, they built a new ballpark there. They've invested in a lot of uh, free agents. They have a good farm system there. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I mean, this is that's kind of, I think, a better blueprint for how you might attract free agent players. I mean, they were able to get Jacob deGrom out of New York. And uh, that's a that's I think that is a reflection of kind of a team that's building something that other free agents and players around the league are act- actively excited about. If Artie were here, he would say, well, listen, guys, I I locked up Mike Trout to this colossal extension, right? I went out and I spent an enormous amount of money on Rendon. Granted, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but from an owner's standpoint, he did, he did spend, right? And he did get a marquee player. And yet when we watch the angels play the Mariners or any other team 
it's the ultimate example of stars and scrubs, right? Stars and duds. It's you have these amazing marquee generational talents and then just a bunch of what feels like at times, depending on what point of the season it is and who's available, like a bunch of quad A replacement level players. With that in mind, what is it that you have seen from this team in this offseason or that you project for the future that would make you think that that will not be the case? Because it, it can't be if they want to be where they want to get to. I think that they will be better this year because, and, and I, you know, this the way that the act, this ownership situation played out, I, I, in a way, it did I think benefit the Angels because they were, I should say, benefit Perry Manazian to some extent because I think that they really built their offseason around short term investments as opposed to, you know, going big on a free agent that was not going to, you know, that, that, that you know maybe would have helped, maybe wouldn't, have, maybe would have turned into Rendon, and in, in the way that he's kind of panned out with the Angels thus far. But, you know, look at who they've kind of acquired. They, they got a bunch of guys on who are really only two to th- one to three years. And I think all of them give the Angels more depth than they had last year. You saw what happened when, I mean, I couldn't name the number of third basemen that played last year after Rendon. I mean, there's, and I, I mean, I know we're, we're including uh, Mariners legend Jack Mayfield in that. So, um, but it's just two, right. two way, two way, two way player, Jack. Two way star, right? He did. I think he may have, I think his one outing was against the Mariners, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, that, but he's, and, and that's not to be critical of Jack, but, you know, I think it's just a reflection of this, this team had, uh, had no depth. I mean, zero. Mike Trout went down for a month in the middle of the season. I mean, they, they called up Steven Duggar, who I think struck out like 16 of his 18, like at best, something like that. I mean, he was just not ready to do, he was in a bad spot. And, you know, they called up guys from double A who weren't on the 40 man. And it was just like, patchwork and that's the reason why they lost i mean they had a couple guys in their in their lineup and then you know they lost like that so i think they have a they have a couple more options this year they pushed out you know joe adele and mickey moniak from being guys they need to rely on which is smart i mean i'm sure at some point they'll, they'll, they'll be up if they're still in the organization and they'll have to you know be kind of relied on to help at some point but it's it's better to not have those guys be everyday starters you know, I think Hunter Renfro was a really good acquisition. Um, you know, obviously Mike Trout and Taylor Ward had a great year last year. So, um, you know, he's a good player, uh, you know, and, and on the infield, getting guys like Giro Rochella and, and Brandon Jury, you know, now you have a little bit more depth if someone like Rendon gets hurt or Jared Walsh, who's coming off an injury. I mean, and that, that's part of why they were bad, too. I mean, Jared Walsh had a horrible year last year. Max Dassey hit 180. I mean, and he'd been his track record had been a lot better than that. So. You know, I think that they made some good coaching staff decisions. They've probably brought in some good free agents that will make them a competitive team. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the hunt for a wild card. Um, but, you know, is is this a team that's really competing for a World Series? Uh, I think the Mariners are in better position. I think the Rangers are in better position. I think the Astros are in better position. So, uh, and then the A's will, you know, lose every one of their games. So, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but they they, they, they didn't have a terrible offseason. They just don't seem to be uh, interested in keeping any of the players that their fans like. So, um, you know, it's uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason for this team to be up for fans to be optimistic about the Angels in 2023. But uh, that just really took a hit last week. You kind of alluded to it. How do you see the division shaking out at this stage? You know, the Astros are the Astros. I mean, I certainly think they'll win the division. Uh, and it's a different year. I mean, so everyone's playing each other a lot less. Uh, you know, you're playing all every team in baseball. So it's the division is going to be, it's kind of like the NBA a little bit more in terms of, you know, I don't think they're as important. Obviously, that can determine things like, you know, seeding in the playoffs. But, um, you know, I think the Astros are the best team in, in the league, possibly the best team in baseball. 
And then I think it's the Mariners and, and the Rangers are such a wild card. I mean, you know, they are, they were, I think they may have even finished behind the angels last year. So do what they do enough. I mean, some of their prospects they've called up over the years have have not really panned out. Um, so I still think they're in a bit of a transition. They'll probably be the, th- I mean, if you had to pick uh, standings, it would be, I, I would go right now. I'd probably say uh, Astros, Mariners, Rangers, Angels, A's, but um you know, there's no reason to think, I think anyone besides the A's can win the division at this point. Wrapping things up with Sam Blum. He covers the Angels for the Athletic. All right, Sam, um, I need your best food take in the American League. All right, like take me to a ballpark in the American League. It's pregame. What are we? What are we time we eat in, Sam? Are we going five thirty, six o'clock hour? I mean, what what what's our deadline? Hmm. Well, it's I, I, it's not Anaheim. Uh, I can move That's an easy X out list. Uh, man, Seattle's looking- got some good options. Um, what do they used to? They used to have their, their like what was it the crickets or something? What was there the are food? there are uh, there are some spicy crickets out on the pen. But you know, Gary um, and I are, we're always looking for uh, a good wreck. We, I feel like we have most of it covered, but there might be something. I mean, you're an investigator. You know, I'm 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 not adventurous at these. I'm just like let's get this food in and get out, get out of there. I'm not you know I I, I see just eating around Seattle is better. I mean, it's the best. I mean, it, to me, it's the best uh, city in in all of baseball. Um, I've been to everyone. I've been to like Colorado. Maybe that's better. Uh, but I, I love going to Seattle every chance I can. I, I, you know, I, we don't, we don't go to every road game, so I can always, uh, do my best to get on the Seattle trips. And I was up, I covered the Astros in the playoffs last year and made the five hour trip between Houston for that one, or I guess it was two games in one in, uh, with one final score. But, uh, you know, I love, that was the, that was one of the coolest environments I've ever seen. And, you know, I, I know I'm not answering your food recommendation, but, uh, um, <laughs> I just, I don't have a good answer for you. So I, I'll go with Seattle, probably the best place to get a, to get a quality meal, especially outside the ballpark. You know, there's a lot of good options, but, um, yeah. Oh, you know, they know, it's really good in, in Houston. I'm blanking on it. They have this really good, um, uh, Ninfas in, uh, in Houston. Really good. It's Mexican food. Tex-Mex. Yeah, yeah. That, recommend. That, is that the one that doesn't have prices on the menu? No, it it does, and it, oh, it, does? it, it scares you a little bit sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, since you brought it up, I'm I, I have to know. You mentioned the atmosphere in that marathon game three of the divisional round. Like, what do you remember the most about that game? Man, um, God, you know, I, I, it was just to me. It was like the way. Um, some of these relievers came in and just couldn't, you know, he's like, where, where is it? Luis Garcia is throwing like 97. Like when, where did that come from? I mean, and then Julio's catch. I mean, uh, I think Macklemore was, they brought him up in like the 17th inning. Like, you know, he's just like, let's get like, uh, man, this might've been good. Like four hours ago. <laughs> I'm tired. now. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, uh, you know, I was rooting for another game there. I mean, it was it's just cause it was so cool. And, um, you know, it was one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen. And, you know, you could tell, you could tell it had been 20 years, you could tell it had been a long time and, and how special it was. And, um, you know, there, you know, obviously we're also there at the end of uh, the 2021 season when the, when the Mariners were, uh, were trying to get in the playoffs and the Angels kind of ruined that for them. Um, and again, it was just, it, you can just tell how meaningful it is for that, for when they're good, uh, how cool, uh, how cool it is to be there. Uh, I loved it. Hopefully you get a chance to, to cover more playoff games there. Sam, we took a lot of your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Anytime. Hopefully it was all right. It was great. Sam Blum from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter as well.
at Sam Blum three. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up on the hot stove right after this. The hot stove show on Seattle sports presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back one final time. It's the hot stove brought to you by Hatback. Hatback Bar and Grill is Soto's go-to spot for delicious bites and brews open for lunch and dinner every day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. There's no better atmosphere to watch your favorite team. Check out the menu and tap list at hatback.com. Wrapping things up, Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith. Aaron, this was a great show. It's a fantastic show, Gary. And I don't know. I don't know my favorite part. Um, Maybe he was hearing about the angels struggling, <laughs> um, but I think uh, higher road, <laughs> higher road. Um, it's good to have Artie back. I think the I don't I can't pinpoint it, Gary, but I think it. You know, we talk about the depth of the of the talent on the team uh, and the expectations for the Mariners this year. But man, putting shows together like this becomes so easy when you have so many people within the organization yeah. that are so free flowing with their information. And their time, certainly. But uh, there's it's an embarrassment of riches of people to talk to within the Mariners right now. It's pretty remarkable. I was trying to think about my favorite moments from these last two hours. Uh, it's the image of Logan Gilbert checking all his contraptions in at the counter at the airport is great. And Diego Castillo being a fourth outfielder is phenomenal. <laughs> there's so many highlights, I think, from this episode. I think it's Pete Woodworth's uh, popsicle stick coach of the year award. <laughs> yes. I think that that might be up there for me. Yeah. That's uh, good. Cause right. Pete's a, uh, Pete's a humble guy. And I think he would receive any, Hey, we we're dads. We know this. Anything your kids make is, is great. Yeah. Well, we have a moment here to get you ready for next week. We already know what's going to be on next week. So we yeah, you won't want to miss this. We are planning to have Teoscar Hernandez, Cal Raleigh, Jerry DePoto is going to join us. I think we're going to get Stephen Vogt as well. It's going to be a oh, big show. And you're yeah. going to be on. You're going to be on back-to-back weeks. What? Have yeah. you cleared that? Have you cleared that with <laughs> representation? Are we sure about that? I know. How excited are you? We have the media luncheon coming up at T-Mobile Park. Uh, and we're going to have a chance to talk to people in person. Yeah. It'd be great. Which is awesome. All yeah. about that. Thanks for, hey, thanks for the reminder, Gary. I'm going to set some calendar alerts. right. Yeah, right do now. that. It'll be great to see you. In the meantime, that's going to do it for us. Hot Stove is done for tonight. We'll talk to you next week. So long.